0: Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From Lab to Launch by Qualio. I'm Kelly, your host, and I'm excited to speak with you guys today. Before we jump in, just a reminder to please rate the show and share it with any of your science nerd friends. We know you have some. Also, check out the show notes if you have a story or product you'd like to share with us. Today, I'm very excited to have with us Ernie Wallerstein Jr., President and CEO of Mental Health Technologies, or MHT. Ernie founded MHT back in 2018, and before that, spent his career in big tech, startup, few other companies along the way. You can read his full bio uh, in the show notes. Mental Health Technologies is a cloud based platform for testing and screening patients for behavioral health disorders. It aids professionals in addressing the growing challenge in providing services for mental health and substance abuse. By focusing on ease of use for both patients and providers, objective data collection, and enhanced billing practices, MHT's goal is to horizontally integrate the entire mental health process for healthcare professionals. We'll get into uh, the tech and its applications here a little bit more with Ernie. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Yep. Thank you, Kelly.
0: So jump right in. Tell us briefly about what led you to jump from the tech and telecommunications industry to addressing something as challenging as mental health and substance abuse for healthcare.
1: You know, I appreciate that question. I was, at that time, I was president of Americas for a publicly traded company in 2018. It was a company that acquired a company I had run before that always in software communications and cloud computing and was introduced to a psychiatrist who had this idea for simplifying what's called psychometric testing basically mental health or substance abuse testing and providing that information to healthcare providers so they can provide a better better care for their patients and wellness and with the growing concern around mental health um he he had this great idea but he wasn't a technologist he wasn't a business person didn't know how to do it and i i just jumped at it i um, I'd had a good career uh, um, up to that point, but thought this was something a lot more meaningful to go do. And there is a, there is an opportunity for technology. Technology is not going to solve the mental health issue, but can help close that chasm a little bit. And it was an opportunity. So it was really good, perfect timing. I met this psychiatrist who's a great guy. And three weeks later, I gave my company notice that, hey, I'm going to go find a new president. I'm going to go do this uh, this thing that I think is a lot more important, and and if nothing else, Kelly, it gets me a little higher on Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs—a little self-actualization going on.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that story, and and I love too. It's it's exciting to uh, to have folks, you know, partnering with industry, right? We, we're we're rife with people with great ideas, but maybe you don't know how to do the tech side, or don't know how to, you know, optimize right. this this idea that they have. So good on you for taking that on. What about this technology um, makes it so a clinic or a physician would want to use it?
1: So I think the healthcare industry or or the population in general realizes the the growing concern around mental health, and I, I use the term behavioral health, and that that encapsulates mental health and substance abuse. So that so I'll use the behavioral health term. Um, it's it's this massively growing concern, and I know you know COVID g- grabbed everyone's attention, um, but. Um, you know, behavioral health is probably a larger healthcare issue and COVID actually exacerbated that problem. Um, And, you know, healthcare, healthcare professionals um, have been wanting to know this information. They're intimidated by it, right? So, you know, the vast majority of healthcare happens at primary care and primary care physicians can easily be overwhelmed um, dealing with behavioral health issues. And quite honestly, there's not enough behavioral health professionals to help all the people who need help right? So, you know, the key for mental health technologies and companies like us um, isn't only really to identify people who need help, but also stratify the level of help they need. Um, you know, and technology can do that, right? So you're using these standard screeners, and it's not perfect, but it's going to give you a snapshot. It's like an SAT test, if you will, for different disorders, and it allows you to have a snapshot of where that person's at. And based on that, make some proactive decisions of, of what kind of help they can need. Can they, can they get some self-help? Can they just get some aided tools on the web? Do they need to talk to a therapist? Do they need to talk to a psychiatrist? Is this person potentially suicidal? So using this technology, we make that information in real time available to healthcare professionals when a patient has an appointment.
0: Wow. What kind of impact are you seeing already then with this?
1: So, you know, I'll use the most obvious example, right? So the most obvious example would be like suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation. And that's just a small piece of what we do, right? So last year we did a little bit over 25,000 depression screens. Um, And in those depression screens, adults, people 18 and older, um, about 9% of the time they had suicidal thoughts. So they're admitting that, hey, they think about it, right? The more alarming number for me was we, we also tested a really good pool of children, 11 to 17, and the propensity for suicidal ideation there was almost 20%. Oof. So that's scary. And you know, statistically, if you look at like the CDC stats, um, 50% of all behavioral health issues go undiagnosed or untreated, right? And then last year, there were about 900 million doctor visits in the US. The average US citizen goes to the doctor 2.7 times a year. Right, so let's just do the math. So, at um, about twenty percent of the time, someone's going to have a behavioral health disorder. So, nine hundred million visits, twenty percent of the time—that's one hundred eighty million times—people went to the doctor who had a behavioral health issue, and statistically, ninety million times, no one did anything about it. Oh man! Right, and and this is you know this is the United States. The problems worse elsewhere. Like I'm, I'm talking to a company in the UK, they're way less prepared for this. So as bad as it is here, it's even worse elsewhere in the world. So, you know, uh, that's some of the goal for MHT. We'll start here. The nice thing is technology, you know, technology travels well, right? So um, the goal would be to take this and, and, and expand the footprint and, and bring this solution in other, in other avenues, right? So in the U.S., it's a little bit easier because it's, it's reimbursable. So there's a financial aspect to this because we're in a commercial environment for healthcare. Well, when you go elsewhere in the world, a lot of it's social medicine, but the big thing there is they they need to know how big the problem is, right? So, you know, you're London and you want to know in 2030, how many depressed people, how many people with anxiety. So you start taking this data that we're accumulating and you cross-reference that, and you're starting to be able to now model on a population basis, behavioral health needs. Because- like i said before kelly there's not going to be enough people to help everybody who needs help so you have to build no. platforms systems methodologies tools right technology non-technology technology is part of the solution it's also part of the cause right right it's this right. it's, it's, it's a quite a dichotomy right because technology especially with kids is a contributing factor to this problem
0: right so. right that's interesting too and i, I i've often wondered at, you know when you go outside of the U S right. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you hear in the news, right. That, you know, U S has all these mental health problems. It's nowhere else. And I wonder sometimes, I mean, is that, are we less afraid to talk about it? Is it because we're in a, you know, reimbursable payer model with our healthcare system that while it has its drawbacks, that makes it a little more accessible to us too. I wonder, I wonder why that is,
1: you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, clinical enough to, to answer that, but based on having done this for four years and all these touch points, right? And, and seeing results from hundreds of thousands of tests um, and having conversations with people outside the U.S. I think, you know, for lack of a better term, I mean, we're more woke here right now than <laughs> right. the rest of the world. We're more in tune with this. We're way more technologically enabled on average than the rest of the world, right? Like, you know, if you think about it, you know, so China's this massive economy and yeah, there's 200 million people with tons of technology, there's a billion who don't have technology. Right, India, right, right. India, all these people. So, like on average, there's a lot more assess- accessibility to to technology. And again, to the to the prior point, technology is both a cause and also part of the solution. Right. So, um, I, you know, the, the the upside, I think Kelly is our kids, the kids, the generation behind us. Like I have two boys, right, and they're way better at talking about this. Right, they're way better at talking about social issues than we were, um, than I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, uh, and the they they're also massively influenced. Right, I always give this analogy of like, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, if there was a bully, I had two choice chance choices. Right, I fought or I ran. Right, like that's your two chances. Right, mm-hmm. today bullies are virtual. Right, you could be a ten year old girl and have. Thirty thousand, you know, three thousand people commenting on your Facebook post or or your Insta post, right? right? And that's insane. So, anyway, I, I, I think what we do at Mental Health Technologies, we try to inform healthcare professionals to have a better snapshot of where their where their patient is, and and I really have a personal hope that it has an impact on the generations behind us to give them a little bit of better starting spot because I don't I don't know that we've given them the best starting spot.
0: No, we haven't, and I and I think too, you know, even when we had, or maybe we were on a better track, you know, than we have COVID, you know, you mentioned that earlier, you know, we saw several, several headlines about the increase in mental health, substance abuse problems since the pandemic. I mean, I, I had two kids, I have two kids as well, right. Who had to figure out how to homeschool and all those things, and then go back and, and it really, you know, I think my, my older son is a little better equipped. My younger daughter is kind of struggling with the social aspects of, Having been stuck at home for a year and a half,
1: sure, Isolation How's, is tough.
0: Yeah, it really is. It really is. And so, yeah, she spends more time on her device, and yet that makes things worse. So, how right. how, how has the pandemic changed your product or your strategy? You, big impact there.
1: Yeah, so that's interesting, right? So, um, and again, you know, and the, some of this is supposed to be. We're having this uh, really good uh, uh, um, social conversation, and some of this is supposed to be about tech, right? Um, <laughs> right. The, so the pandemic impacted us twice, right? So um, and, and in the in the long run, the pandemic itself, I, I believe, at least in the United States, has shined the light on the behavioral health issue and how important this is, right? On the back end of COVID, there is this using your daughter as an example, there's this long trail of people that were impacted on it by it, right? So the the initial part was our audience are healthcare providers, right? We're a B2B, we're not a B2C. So we built a technology that is very easy to use in a healthcare environment. So they can provide this testing and screening, if you will, to their patient population. So COVID hits, right? And that slows the entire market down because healthcare industry had to learn how to do telemedicine, right? So you have a vastly, the the average doctor, nurse, physician's assistant isn't a techie, right? They're clinical. And so they had to learn technology. They had to learn how to do video conferencing, right? Like, you know, Zoom, <laughs> nobody benefited more than Zoom, right? So, <laughs> right. The, the, so that slowed down, like they knew they needed to do this, but hey, hold on a second. I, I got to show how my, the, I have to show a doctor how to do a video conference call, right? And I have to teach my admin staff how to tee up that video conference call on behalf of the doctor, right? So all that happened. So it slowed us down a little bit, but again, it's shown, a, it, it shined a big light on Behavioral health. The bigger issue, Kelly, was on the back end of COVID, there was a massive impact on the US workforce. People didn't go back to work. So, the admin, so we built this tool, right? So, I come from a, a cloud computing uh, background. My CTO comes from a cloud computing background, and we, you know, we really focus on UI, user experience, UX. How, how do we make this as easy as possible to administrate? Great. Back end of COVID, <laughs> There was no one to train on how to use the tool because the, right. administrative, the administrative, administrative layer in healthcare is an entirely transient, unbelievably uh, uh, vicious cycle of turnover, right? Like I, I, have right. Cu- I have a customer who had 120% turnover of their admin staff. So they oh, turned everybody over, trained people, and still lost another 20%, right? So the, on the back end, we spent the vast majority of last year, Kelly, automating the entire process. So yeah. no one has to touch MHT. So we integrate with the back office application in healthcare, which is called an EHR, electronic health record.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we get triggers based on appointments. We algorithmically figure out if the patient should be tested and what test they get based on the rules of that healthcare clinic. They tell us what the rules are. We built the tool, the wizard. We, te- we send an email or text message to the patient. They take it. And then we write those results to the EHR. So we actually spent the entire year of 2022 making it so that our customers actually don't touch MHT. Everything resides in their EHR, which is their single source of truth, right? Right. Uh, so for all intent and purposes, MHT becomes a system of action and the EHR is a system of record, right? Nice. It would be Right. So, you know, it, it, an analogy to that would be in like, you know, financial services, right? Everything sits in there financial app, their Jack Henry or their Pfizer application, right? But there's all these tools hanging off it, but nobody touches those tools. Everything resides in their single source of truth. So in, in healthcare, that's the EHR.
0: Right, right. I know my, my brain is spinning now, you know, here at Qualio, we're in software as well. And we're always talking about the data and where it resides and whether or not we have to protect it. And of course, in the life sciences industry, you have things like complaint files, but complaint files can contain PHI. And how is that? Protect? Yes, sir. I was, spinning there for a second on, wow, that's, yeah, well, that's, how do you it, it, architect it, all of that to then protect the data and all that? that's, that's quite a complex problem.
1: Yeah. So, so we, we actually thought of that in advance, right? Because when we built MHT and again, luckily, you know, I both unluckily and luckily I'm not, a, I wasn't a 25 year old starting a tech company. Right. So <laughs> the unlucky part is I am not a 25 year old person starting a, a tech company. That's the horrible part. Uh, the upside is, you know, already knew some of the things we needed to do as table stakes, if you will. So we actually built MHT on, you know, a cloud platform that's easily portable. And we normalized and built out the ER, the, the data dictionary in a way that we knew it's already fully encrypted. It sits on an encrypted um, instance, and we can take that and replicate it in another country. Right. So we, we actually built this with the idea um, of very quickly going to the UK and going going to the UK, going to um, Canada, um, even though the, 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 the product is, is multilingual. Right. So especially yeah. in the US, it's English and Spanish. Right. So we know from the EHR if the person is Hispanic and then we would send the test in Spanish.
0: Wow. It's important,
1: important to me because yeah. I'm I'm actually, I'm a Cuban background, right? My family right. are immigrants from Cuba. So that was an important piece of it.
0: That is important. Absolutely. No. And, and making it, um, you know, friendly and accessible, you know, to, to people where it's already, you know, there's, there's this, I don't know, segment of the population, right. that They don't trust technology anyway. And yet. Oh yeah. They're probably more in need of, of some of these kinds of services. And so it's like, you got to overcome this idea that you're not going to just be talking to a person um, it it is a great point.
1: That's actually something we're still trying to crack the code on because there, there is a massive part of the United States population that is underserved, for lack of a better term, in healthcare. And that underserved community, by and large, does not trust the federal government and does not trust institutionalized solutions. So, so we have to figure out other ways. So, like we're we're in a community uh, mental health center, and we're actually going to put a make it as non intrusive When they walk in, there'll be a kiosk there and they can take their tests there. They, they, they can do it anonymously. Like, so we're making it as easy as possible to get this data so that the healthcare provider knows if there's something that needs to be addressed beyond the primary complaint, right? You know, the analogy, Kelly, would be, you know, I go in because I can't sleep. Well, mm-hmm. a- am I depressed because I can't sleep or am I not sleeping because I'm depressed? That's an right. important part of find- finding out the root cause, right?
0: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, pivot a little bit. We have a Ooh. lot of founders um, who tune into the show and uh, our founders um, have lost at least a few hours of sleep along the way on their go-to-market strategy. Walk yes. us through your go-to-market strategy at MHT.
1: Sure. So we made a conscious decision to go B2B versus B2C. So our customers are healthcare clinics, our healthcare providers, right? So we, So from a GDM we're not spending a lot of time on consumer-based marketing, right? And, and that's on purpose, like at least from my experience, that's a different thing. That's a, that's a different animal. It's actually not my background, so that had something to do with it, but that's not the lead cause. There was just, there's other companies like MHC out there, they're more focused on the consumer and doing some type of self-help tools and then escalating. We, we took the stance of it's, let's get this information in the people that are providing the care, right? So- the real key for us is primary care and then automating a referral to behavioral health. So we do that. We auto, so you go to primary care and if you indicate, we'll ask you if you want to talk to a behavioral health professional, we'll automate that referral. So we take the people out of making that decision and make that much more efficient. Um, so in terms of our go-to-market strategy, we focus on healthcare providers. We're, we're mainly focused on large private and we build our, our entire strategy, Kelly, is around a hub. So basically we get a large behavioral health provider that has a couple different attributes. The biggest one is they have capacity. They have the ability to take on more patients, right? Um, And we work with them, they start using MHT, but then we actually partner with them and go after primary care providers in their geo to automate the referral process. So, um, so that's really our go to market. Our go to market is a hub and spoke approach. And mm-hmm. it is around B2B. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. You know, and, and in and, that B2B situation that and
1: that it helps. took a while to get that going, right? So um it, it took a while and now it's taking off because I think the primary care providers are I think they things have calmed down from COVID and they realize that they have to go address this. Um yeah. and they're they're just way more open to it. And, you know using MHT whilst providing massive clinical value, it's also, there's a financial benefit to it, which is, it's critical in healthcare, right?
0: Right, right. And anytime we can simplify that too, then you start to see a little bit of that whole economy of scale thing, you know, instead of referring these things out, or do I need to refer these things out? That kind of thing, the doctors actually have the brain space to engage.
1: Sure. And they have data points, right? So instead of having, so, you know, doctors doctors, nurses, and PAs, physicians assistants, right? They're flying around. They're seeing two, three, four people an hour. And it's hard for them to engage the conversation, but we're giving them a heads up and saying, hey, here's a snapshot. Here's this Polaroid of where they're at. Start the conversation two minutes in. And that's critical to them, right? From a time efficiency standpoint.
0: Definitely. Well, we love seeing tech like this that's very patient-centered as well. How do you see this tech and its applications evolving over the next decade?
1: So I think I, I think the future for MHT is we are going to uh, um, really focus like uh, like when you talked about a go-to-market, we're now more focused on business development, partnering with people than we are marketing itself. Like we do a ton of marketing, we're really good at social media, but our big thing is we we look at we look at behavioral health and our technology as sort of a highway, right? So. You are screening people for behavioral health issues. Now they're on a road. You need a bunch of exit ramps, right? Because some people can do self-help. Some people can go to a website, get help. Some people need to see a therapist. And the last thing you want them to do is go to the emergency room, right? The behavioral health issue in the United States is overwhelming emergency rooms in the US, right? It is a significant. So the evolution is we will continue to work with complementary solutions in behavioral health that become part of this this continuum of of behavioral health services and the screening. Um, the, the, the other aspects of this, the biggest thing I see, um, Kelly is we're going to take all this data, um, we're going to cross-reference and correlate it, you know, from a business intelligence standpoint with treatments. So we can do efficacy of treatment, but also do that based on ethnicity, sexual orientation, um you know demographics and actually start building a model that starts predicting behavioral health issues on a population basis so you know i actually always thought from the beginning that is the biggest thing we'll do the biggest thing we'll do is allow a population to understand both the cost and the propensity for behavioral health issues so they can build programs to be ready for that cuz right now yeah. it's, we are 100% Reactive
0: to right, behavioral health right.
1: issues. Now we're not in proactive. the proactive world, and where yeah. I see MHT going is is getting into the proactive, like algorithmically using AI, start figuring out that based on these social determinants of health, based on that ethnicity, based on that um, uh, that economic status, we need to go test that person proactively every three months to see how they're doing. Whereas we don't, or we need, or somebody who's affluent, but they're in this area. Maybe we need to try, test them for stress every few months. That gets proactive, and then hopefully we start cracking the code a little bit, and we actually get ahead of this a little bit. Because right now we're totally behind it.
0: Yeah, the the, the proactive idea is, is is pretty impressive. That's and it's it's interesting. That's that's been a common thread in a lot of. A lot of the folks I've talked to on this podcast, we talk a lot about, you know, we would like to amass this data and then really start to leverage it. Or, or maybe they already have a lot of data. And how do we start to look at now that we have so much more power in analytics and and sure. the, the AI predictor models, all that kind of stuff. Um At the same time, it feels a little intrusive, Um, you know, maybe to those of us who aren't quite so used to having my whole life be on a computer. But there's, there's yeah, some but, good but, there. But, but...
1: There's a, Yeah, there's an Orwellian aspect to it, right? So, <laughs> a, little a little bit, together. a little bit. So that's the other key to this thing, right? So the other key to like the way we did MHT is we, we just send, we send someone a link from their trusted advisor, which is their doctor and say, hey, we're asking you to take these. It's entirely up to them if they take it or not. No one's putting a piece of paper in front of them. They could take it at their leisure. They could take it on their computer. They could take it on their email. Like the one good data point I'll give you. Somebody asked me like, all right, what do you do with an older generation? Right. So Medicare people are a big part of our population that go see the doctor. We had uh, ran stats. So over the last year, um, 45 percent of everyone 65 and old that we sent these to completed them the first time we sent them a link. Another 15 percent did it on the reminder. So 60 percent of people with over 10,000 data points were completing these assessments on their computer or their cell phone. Might take them a little longer, but they do it at their pace. They make the font the size they want, and they're doing it, and they're comfortable yeah. doing it. That's part of this, right? It's got to be on your terms when you're talking about yourself.
0: Right, right, definitely. I love that. Well, pivoting a little bit again. So, if you could go back to the start of your career, mm-hmm. what would you tell yourself based on what you know now?
1: Uh, less sugars. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think uh, you know. Um, I would have focused more on automation day one. So people talk about AI uh, and, you know, look, I'm a bit older and was writing code a very long time ago. And what people call AI, a lot of times, I think people use the term a little loosely. Sometimes it's really BI instead of AI. Um, But leveraging data to your point just a second ago and algorithmically deducing, figuring some stuff out and proactively going to your customer and saying, hey, here's a model that might work for you based on these million data points. I I think I would have gotten into that a lot earlier. I think in most technology companies, we think about data aggregation and business intelligence as a result of what we're doing versus as the driver for what we're going to do. And I think if I went back, you know, the 30 plus years I've been doing this, I would have told myself, hey, really think of the data As potentially one of your three key deliverables and the endpoint, not not the not the result, but actually a goal, Um, because in what we do here, I I, you know it it, it over. I don't mean to over romanticize it. The only way to get in front of this behavioral health issue is for us to start proactively figuring out who's going to need the help before they figure out they need help. Yeah. So you know, I I I think that was a circuitous answer to your question, but I think. Going backwards to make it more succinct, I would have, I would tell myself, hey, really think of the data and what that value is and architect the product around that being one of the key results.
0: I can, I can see that. Definitely. Been in the industry a long time, the same thing, you know, different industry, of course, life sciences, but yeah, it feels like we're kind of chasing, chasing the data instead of letting the data inform.
1: Inform and also drive some of the technology decisions we, 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 you know, I think by and large, data is an outcome of our products and we didn't necessarily architect our products with an intent of resulting data. And, that, and, and, there, and it's, that's probably a deeper line than I'm giving it credit for. But when you think of a product, you architect it, you start manifesting, you start doing all your storyboards. If one of your key deliverables is, okay, how does this data going to change the narrative it will have an impact on how you design your product.
0: Another fun question I love to ask. Please. If I walked into Barnes & Noble, where would I find you? What section?
1: Uh, it's a good question. I, it wouldn't be in life sciences. This is actually a technology solution. I defer to the clinicals. This isn't you know, the clinical stuff I defer to other people for. This is a technology thing. So where would you find me in the Barnes & Noble? uh you know nonfiction and uh and y- y- uh, somewhere where you talk about like uh humbling success I, yeah. I i i come from a immigrant family my parents immigrated here like you know they came from cuba they had to leave the country in 2 days um in a couple days um with three kids and my mother pregnant um oh jeez we we were a very tight family we didn't grow up with much and i i have very successful brothers and sisters as well and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of my family. And I think that um, where you'd find me now, hopefully isn't where you find me in the end. Cause I think, you know, I've done tech for a while and all the tech was business stuff. Um, I'm really hoping that MHT has more of a human impact than some of the other stuff I've done before.
0: Ah, Sounds like you're uh, well on that path. Uh,
1: I I certainly hope so. (laughs) I enjoy, I'll tell you, Kelly, I, I love this. Like it is, it is a pure techie thing that we're doing. Uh, there's, you know, encryption, PHI, delivering this stuff. Uh, you know, results of this, did a text go? Did a text not go? What do you do with that? Preference for communication. How do you present this information in a very easy, non-intrusive way to healthcare professionals? Like that's all the tech stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But, but impacting people's lives and maybe helping some people not commit suicide. That's 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 huge. It's cool. That's huge, and and, and, and it's, uh, I thoroughly enjoy the team I work with, and that we're doing that.
0: That's exciting. Well, where can folks go to connect with you and follow along with the company's progress?
1: Uh, so, MH Tech, so MHTech.com and all our LinkedIn profiles are there. Uh, I am not basically on social whatsoever, other than LinkedIn. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody who's interested, um, either. Um, in the beginning of their journey. Like, you know, I, I, I have, I've last thing I'll close with. I've had, I've been very fortunate to have some great mentors in my career and and I owe that back to some people. So people want to just talk about how to do this or what they're doing or their ideas. I'm, you know, happy to talk to your audience.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Ernie. Really appreciate it. What a great story.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate your time.
0: For listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.